The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
uncovering it. Both electricity. All right, nice little intro tune there. Welcome, gang. Yeah, welcome to another edition of the Riffs and Rants podcast right here on Big Boom Radio. Johnny Teflon here once again, flying solo, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Our opening tune, our opening gem, if you will, this week was The Last DJ by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers off of the uh, album by the same name, released in 2002, almost prophetic with the emergence now of these you know radio powerhouses like odyssey and iheart radio and they're just buying up everything every you know station has a pre-canned format they got a pre-canned set list you know the, the djs get very little time in some cases that's a good thing but the djs themselves get very little time very little say in what gets played um, and they truly are a dying breed. And now here we are almost 20 years after Tom saw this happening. And it's it's really hit its zenith right now. So good tune sets the tone because we right here are kind of missing one of the last DJs in Michael Sean Lee. Now, last couple of weeks, he, he hasn't been around. Initially, he said he just wanted to take a little, little time off. Um... And I don't have much more than, than that to go by. So if he had given me some of those uh, catchphrases that we're familiar with, such as, um, let's see, such as, uh, I'd like to spend some more time with my family. I mean, that generally means that there's either an ongoing sex scandal or there's one about to drop, so this person needs to disappear. Or they might uh, allude to certain uh, health issues that need their immediate attention. That one is usually more suited towards uh, setting up the appearance of not being fit to stand trial because they've got to attend to these things, you know, so on and so forth. We see it all the time in the mainstream media when some uh, political figure or Hollywood type or sports figure is about to be brought low. Out come the excuses for them to beat feet and exit stage left. But unfortunately, in this case, we don't even have that. We, we, we got next to nothing. We have some theories. Sure. So, I'll tell you what, here are um, a rough listing. Let's call it the the top 10 possible excuses for Michael Sean Lee being absent. Say, what do you think about it? That's fair. All right, we had some nice little fake applause right there. All right, somebody cue up a drum roll. Um, there you go, cue up the drum roll. Nice, nice. All right, here we go. Number 10, aliens and anal probes. Oof, yeah, that, that's pretty much self-explanatory right there. All right, number nine, uh, there's a Pompadour convention in Reno this week. I was not aware of that, but yeah, I mean, because he's got that, that mighty rockabilly Pompadour of his. All right, uh, number eight, his latest invention using hemp went up in smoke. Yeah, if you'll forgive the pun there, but yeah, because, you know, he is famous for his love of the halfling's leaf, as they say. Sure as hell lets us know about it every episode, doesn't he, folks? All right. Number seven. Oh, this is sweet. Uh, a road trip to meet little Myra Goldstein. Yes, little Myra, our frequent uh, contributor from Sioux City, Iowa. Or is it Boise? I don't know. I, I forget. All right. Number six. 
learning to play the sitar with Sir Nigel Pennyworth. That's a nice one, and you know what? I, I can see that, the two of them bonding over that, but I've already spoken to Sir Nigel, and we have debunked that one. So I left it in because it was cute, but yeah, that's not the deal. All right, number five. Signed on for a shot-for-shot shot woke remake of Smokey and the Bandit, not knowing he was filling Sally Fields' role. Yeah, and that's not going to work for Michael Sean Lee because for a sniveling liberal, he is, he is quite macho. Uh, he would definitely prefer the Burt Reynolds role, or hell, even the Snowman role. That's Yeah, but yeah, not Sally, so that's not going to happen. Okay, number four. Uh, he has officially bonded with the Baby Yoda puppet I got him. I hope that's not the case, because I know in him in one of his, you know, flashbacks, he'll think he's the Mandalorian, and they'll set off on some galactic adventure through the use of <laughs> probably weapons-grade hallucinogens. They'll never leave his office. Okay, um, so that, that's a possible one. Number three uh, was convinced the Colonial Pipeline was just clogged, mumbled something about bong repair, and dove right in. That I could see happening. Yes, that I could see happening. Okay, number two, uh, eloped with a doomsday prepper he met online. Wow. Uh, well, I don't see Michael Jean Lee spending a lot of time online, uh, but he is kind of also famous for his horrible taste in women. You know, Tula McBride aside, uh, yeah, so that that could possibly be it. And then here we have uh, for number one, while in his trademark black suit, he got mistaken for a high-ranking Antifa officer and got taken out by a Fox News drone. Boom. There you have it. I don't know. I think that number one is probably the most likely scenario, especially because he's made no fans of himself over there at Fox News. And I tell you what, speaking of Fox News, oh, we got so many little tidbits to go over in this episode, uh, which I will break up with four gems. We're going to increase it from a regular three, so I don't drone on for too long, but... Circling back, Fox News had some departures this week, uh, namely uh, the blue-haired wonder horse Donna Brazile, who I'm not sure really what she did for them anyway. Um, she, of course, you know, is famous for giving Hillary Clinton the questions uh, prior to her debate with Bernie Sanders. You know, so she was pretty much guaranteed there. The fix was in. Um, so yeah, so she's leaving to go to, I believe, ABC. Which is, you know, still kind of middle of the road. Maybe a little left-leaning, but, you know, good. Good for all of them. Good for her. I wish her well. And then uh, another uh, departure from Fox News, although not leaving completely, as I hear it, but leaving their show, The Five, is their, um, their standard bearer of the liberal cause, Mr. Juan Williams, uh, normally the only liberal member on The Five, and uh, I tell you what, I give him a lot of credit for the verbal lashings and, and the, uh, the intellectual beatings he's taken in the, I think, 11 years he's been on that show. Um, but he stands his ground. He believes the words that are coming out of his mouth. So again, you know, good for him. I bear him no malice whatsoever. Um, and I think all of these shows always, always, always have to have somebody giving a somewhat logical counterpoint. It's 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 almost the polar opposite of, say, The View, okay, which I can't believe that shit's still on TV. But you've got all these cackling harpies there, and then the one conservative voice of, of, of McCain, who's, you know, not somebody I'm completely enamored with anyway. But 
I don't know how people can watch this show and all it is is a continuous beating on the conservatives' side and she'll come up and say a couple words in defense but then just get shattered down. The show The Five on the Fox network is essentially the same thing but in reverse. You've got all these conservative pundits and, and, and anchors and whatnot and special guests they get on there and then Juan Williams as the only you know liberal voice in there who sometimes made excellent points but would just get shouted down. Uh, you know, it, it harkens back for me to the old Morton Downey Jr. show. For those of you that remember that. Let me tell you something, you skinny human prophylactic. The chain smoking guy was like in people's faces, very aggressive, almost the blueprint for all of those uh, high octane Jerry Springer, um, Maury Povich type shows that, that came afterwards. But. Even as a kid, I was marveling at how anybody would even sign up to be on the Morton Downey Jr. show because he never had people that he shared an opinion with or the resident crowd up in like Secaucus, New Jersey, anybody that they could relate to. So all it was was a, was a beating down of whoever these poor schlubs were that he would have on the show. And that's what these other shows kind of remind me of. And it's it's entertaining to a point. And to a point, I mean, like, within 15 minutes, you're like, all right, this is this is stupid. Because um, you're not going to get anything new out of it, okay? If, look, if you hate what you see on TV, throw your shoe at it. You don't have to sit there and listen to uh, 30 minutes of people just lambasting somebody else's opinion. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but to me, that's not entertainment. So we had that going on. And then uh, another little tidbit will hit, which which I found very surprising. Um, the Defense Department in a uh, conference, you know, like a like a um, a news conference, had announced that they just recently, I believe, two three days ago, failed in their attempt to launch an intercepting missile. Okay. Now, I just don't understand, in the times that we live in, okay, why our Defense Department is getting up in front of a podium to tell the world at large, yes, we thought we had a missile interception system, but we tested it and it failed. We're not going to say where we did the test, but we will tell you that it failed. And we're back to the drawing board. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I just don't understand. Why would you tell a world full of villainy <laughs> that something that possibly we can use to defend ourselves against them doesn't work, okay? Especially after what we've just seen in the Middle East with the Israeli and Palestinian conflict with these, these torrents of rockets coming in and the amazing success rate of Israel's Iron Dome. Why would we come out now and say, yeah, we, we, we can't we can't intercept anything if it, if it comes this way? Yeah. Think about that, folks. Here comes your middle jam. We'll talk about it once it's done. And I'll be back in a couple more minutes with a whole lot more of things. And we'll make the bed up straight. I always stay out late. I never take you out. Ask what you're all about. I always smell like smoke. Everything's just a joke. I never look at you when you come hear me sing. These are not all of me. Simple things you can't find wrong with me. Once would you tell me, please? What do I do? 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 
music's way too loud My friends are all so proud Say I'm just wasting hope I could not thread the rope More than my pockets broke And you don't see a ring These are not all the big infinitesimal things You can't find wrong with me Once would you tell me please What do I do? 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 And that right there, kids, was one of my favorite songs from the 90s. That was a, a little band called Jimmy's Chicken Shack off the album uh, Bring Your Own Stereo. The name of the song is Do Right. And when I first heard it, this came out, uh, I don't know the exact year, late 90s, probably 98, maybe 99. Um, it was just so tongue-in-cheek and fun because I was engaged at the time. And I, I really just couldn't keep this woman happy. You know, you do one thing, she wants something else kind of deal. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and I made her buy it for me, too, which was like the irony right there. Um, but a fun band, you know, kind of peaked with, with, with that album. It was a pretty good album. Um, overall sound, kind of like a, a ska meets like skate punk kind of vibe. They had some hard stuff, too. So, like, they're, they're diverse. And, that's you know, it's too bad they didn't go on to bigger, better things. But there's your stereotypical gem as michael sean league would say and the reason i played uh, a song called do right is our next little topic kind of let's call it that uh of people that are doing wrong just doing wrong stupid 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 and let's start it off with the our veep okay miss kamala harris this being the uh, Memorial Day weekend, she sends out a pre-weekend tweet saying, enjoy the long weekend. And it's got her like looking off in the distance, almost like a, like a movie still. And this tweet went over like a fart in church, not just amongst conservatives, but veterans and veteran groups as well. Because, I mean, look, everybody's entitled to do whatever the fuck they want on Memorial Day, okay? So for, for, for you personally, it's it's a day about barbecuing. 
I'm not going to sit here and lecture anybody on what they should and shouldn't do with, with, with their holiday. We're not, we're not about that. We're not supposed to be about that. However, I kind of make an exception when it comes to, oh, I don't know, the second in line for the throne, as they say. These people should toe certain lines. And by these people, I mean her, the president, probably Speaker of the House, maybe the majority or minority rather leader of, of, of you know, Congress. You are all equally worthless. People of importance, you know, Secretary of State, of course, anybody in the Joint Chiefs, on and on and on. Celebrities, I don't care if they say anyway. Sports figures, you know, keep dribbling, as they say. But for my vice president to come out and just kind of glibly ignore the, the, the whole meaning of the weekend, which is to remember those who have given their lives in defense of this country. Let's settle that argument right now. People, I, I get it confused with Veterans Day. Look, veterans is to thank anybody who served the country for their service. Living, deceased, you know, future, you know, those just entering the academies or, or boot camp or whatnot. Memorial Day also is not only for, you know, people in uniform who've given their life for this country. It's anybody who has sacrificed, most certainly. It's also for the families that have sacrificed their sons and daughters on the altar of freedom, all right? It's it's not dated. It's not hokey. It's something that we need in this country as a democracy to recognize and and remember. Okay, but that's your best case scenario when it comes to the to the common Joe and Jane of the street. They could do what they want, but when it comes to people in position of power and government, you're damn right they need to recognize it every single time. So she faced some predictable. Backlash. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Um, and again, me personally, because that backlash had to be so predictable, it was as if she was just thumbing her nose at everything I just spoke about. And it's unforgivable. And to that, I say, Kamala, go shit in your hat. That is one big pile of shit. Okay. That woman's not going to go anywhere. And if she, if she somehow manages to get elected president, if something happens to Joe, God forbid, she ain't going to be there long, folks. She ain't because she's making a lot of enemies just by being just glib. You know, she, she was tapped almost 70 days ago to head up uh, the task force to alleviate this immigration crisis at the border. And she's yet to even have a press conference about it. Hasn't spoken out. No, no plan. Hasn't been down there. Nothing. Okay. Who's kidding who? If you had an employee, if you were at a pizza shop and you had an employee that didn't do dick during the course of the day, well, chances are you'd fire them, but you most certainly wouldn't pay them. Okay. And that's what we as the American taxpayers in this humble pundit's opinion, we're paying this woman to do shit. And on top of that, insult our institutions. Now, thanks. Not having it. But we'll leave it at that. This is not about politics. This is about Memorial Day and just rights and wrongs and so on and so forth. So we had that little ditty. In a lot of ways, it does feel, now that we're coming out of COVID-19, like a typical typical American summer. My New York Metropolitans are struggling <laughs> with injuries and uh, are, are probably doomed already. And we're not even out of May yet. 
let's see what else. Um, you know, LeBron James is, is mouthing off about like this and that and getting censored. So, yeah, there's that. And then uh, the other day, um, former, I guess we could say former professional wrestler extraordinaire John Cena had to uh, apologize to China after referencing Taiwan as a country, which was kind of weird, to say the least. I, you know, John Cena is a, a public figure now. He does, um, I believe, voiceovers for the Honda Corporation. So in their car commercials and lawnmowers and everything, you can hear his voice. He did a thing for pistachios, uh, you know, hefty bags. So he's got, you know, a decent amount of endorsement deals. He's in a lot of movies. But I don't see where he needed to apologize for a, a simple gaffe. I mean, it's again, it's not like he's the vice president. So if he doesn't know Taiwan isn't a country, it's more of a territory then, or, uh, you know, what's the harm? I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And apparently um, the folks at the WWE who planned on bringing him back for some, uh, some activities leading up to their big uh, marquee events in the summer are a little pissed off because it shows him in a, in a weakened state, you know, and they need him to be the, uh, the proverbial Superman that can do no wrong. So again, I don't know what's up with that. Um, Look, we all know China's got a hard-on for Taiwan, but like yeah, the Rolling Stones said, you can't always get what you want. Am I right? All right, so that was like another just somebody doing something wrong. Oh, wow, there's so many little tidbits in the news. Um, you know, Dr. Fauci has been uh, rendered effectively useless because even he now just puts his head in his hands and he's like, yeah, it's maybe kind of sort of went about this the wrong way. <laughs> so pretty much nobody's wearing masks Anywhere, all right. Uh, but I will say this: uh, there have been a couple stores that I've gone into in my travels that have a sign on the door, different than every other place, which basically says, "If you're vaccinated, cool. If you're not, wear a mask." You know, leave, leave people up to their own uh, reconnaissance. You know, use your common sense. These stores are putting signs up that say, "Out of," and one of them, this is like verbatim. Out of respect to our associates that have not yet been vaccinated, please continue wearing a mask while in our store. Excuse me? A baking powder? I, I, I've been vaccinated, okay? And, um, yeah, I had my moments where I was uh, doubting, like, the effectiveness, and you always got to, you know, today's world, believe it or not, you, you got to look at everything with open eyes um, and sometimes take a chance because you don't know who to trust and who to believe, Okay. Was uh, this vaccine simply going to be a placebo to calm people down? I mean, none of us knew. Were they going to rush the science and, and make people sick or could it possibly be fatal? I mean, we, we looked at the testing and we said to ourselves collectively, okay, it looks safe, let's do it. So those of us that have gotten vaccines you know, technically now have nothing to worry about. And as far as those who haven't been vaccinated, it's free. It's everywhere. There's really no excuse to have not been vaccinated now to this point. No excuse whatsoever. So I kind of take offense at a, a company that's telling me to, you know, because their own people are too irresponsible to take a stand and make a decision and do the adult thing. I've now got to be inconvenienced as the customer. 
it kind of annoys me. <laughs> and I'm also of the school of thought that that whole expression, you know, the customer is always right. That's a bunch of bullshit because that's why we got these things called Karens now that demand to see the manager. And, and people seem to think they have a license to abuse line employees at retail establishments. But again, this is, this is kind of different because it's just saying, well, you know, either we're working our people too hard and they don't get days off or we're going to let them be ir- irresponsible and really our workers matter more to us than our customers do. That's a pretty bold statement. It's going to land like a fart in church and I'm not having it. So for those stores that remain dedicated to covering for their associates and, and making excuses for them not to get vaccinated, I will take my business elsewhere. Okay. I hate to feed into the giant machine known as Amazon, but there's a lot to be said for the convenience. Just saying. So there's another instance of people just doing the wrong thing. Right? Right. I guess we'll lighten this up. I guess we'll bridge our way into another gem, keeping it light and fluffy. I think I got a hankering for some just top-notch classic rock. So why don't we go by, let's see. Let's go with The Who. A classic summertime tune entitled Summertime Blues, originally done by Eddie Cochran back in the 50s, redone by, wow, lots of different people, but second most famously by The Who. Um, Yeah, let's spin that. We'll talk a little bit about it when we come back and get on with some more things and stuff.
Great little ditty by the Who. Uh, loved it because it always had that signature like live-esque sound. And because really for, for the majority of their career, that song was only available on the Live at Leeds album. Uh, it's a song that they would play at a lot of their live shows, but never really uh, had a studio version come out until many, many years later in the 2000s um, on one of the compilation albums. And then the ultimate version of the Who Sells Out so you always had that kind of, that, that, that rough PA sounding kind of feel to it. Fun rocking tune. All about, you know, look, the trouble being a teen in the summertime. You're always up against the man, the parents, the government, everything. Just kind of knocks it up right there. So tip of the hat to Eddie Cochran, as I said, who did it originally back in, I believe, 1958 with a rockabilly feel to it. Chances are... You might hear that song on the Rockabilly Rumble right here on Big Boom Radio's every Sunday at 7. See? Nice little bow on it. Boop. There you go. Well, uh, this last segment here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you on a little journey. We're going to peek behind the curtain into a little piece of Johnny Teflon's actual life and a little something that just happened to me. One day when I was bored, I um, kind of dove down the rabbit hole in, in Google and... Uh, you know, you see, you see an ad or something and you click on it. And before you know it, you're looking up, you know, Tibetan monks chanting somewhere. You never know. You never know where the Internet's going to take you. So in this case, it took me to a place where I was looking at um, collector pages for early 80s BMX bicycles. Most notably, Mongoose. Okay. Uh, Mongoose is, is a brand still in existence. They make a really quality bicycle. But back then in the early 80s, they were the, they were the Cadillac of, of BMX bikes. You know, the Schwinn had some models that they called the, the Predator. Um, and there were some other notable ones. But really, Mongoose was the, the Cadillac of BMX bicycles. Now, because of, uh, well, basic nostalgia towards the 80s, um, and also the show Stranger Things, which really invokes all that nostalgia from the 80s, there has... Now there's a burgeoning collector's market for these bicycles. And unlike, say, uh, antique cars or collectible cars, they don't need to be pristine and, and super clean and, and perfect in every way. I mean, a lot of these were in a lot worse shape than mine was because, yes, I still had mine in, at my parents' house in a shed where it was sitting for, shit, 30 years now at this point. And, uh, you know, I called up my dad and he took it out of there, cleaned it up and whatnot. When I went for a visit, I grabbed the bike and I, I brought it back uh, to the lair up here in, in New England. And uh, I posted it up for sale. And let's say I used eBay. Okay. And uh, much to my surprise, not having sold anything on eBay in, in a while, uh, things have changed <laughs> with the with the folks with the uh, bright colored letters. Yeah, um, if you're selling something that's got a substantial worth to it, 
do not use eBay. Now, I know I'm going to get like eBay ninjas coming into my window tonight when I'm sleeping and probably assassinate me. But again, as a public service announcement to my loyal listeners, fuck eBay, okay? Because now they're taking like 11 to 12% off the top of the price of whatever you sell, okay? Now, again, as a kid from Jersey, that's like a VIG, all right? <laughs> you, you go to a loan shark, they're going to charge you 10% eBay's hitting you for 11 and 12. I'm like, are you shitting me? I fulfilled a lot of people's predictions about me. I've become a real scumbag. But for the ease of the sale and for the whole thing that they, you know, facilitate and make sure everybody gets paid and all this good stuff, I was like, all right, screw it. Let's, let's, let's just do it, okay? So I had posted the bicycle, I put the pictures up and everything. And I won't say how much it was, but it was it was over $1,000 because you'll see that these bikes range anywhere from basically 900 to 4000 depending on the model, the condition, and all this other good stuff. And mine was in really good shape, and I could have held out for it longer, but for me then, it would have been just something else sitting at the house collecting dust. So I kind of wanted to expedite this whole process. And from the jump... I started getting offers, but they were, you know, too low for any acceptable offer I was ready to take. Um, and then some other guys started bidding a, a little bit more, and two in particular, you know, good Joes by all rights. It looks like they had a lot of sales under their belt. They were on the up and up, but they wanted to drive up from different states and pay cash. So again, my my cautious street knowledge nature says, well, I don't want somebody coming up with a handful of cash because then they're more likely to start haggling with me over the price. And I don't have the time or patience for that. And like I said, I've always used eBay and you know, followed the whole process and charged for shipping and this and that and never had any issues. So I was like, nah, I'm gonna, I'm just going to stick to my guns and, and do it this way because that's what I'm comfortable with. No. No, man. Shit, no, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Well, color me the asshole, okay? Which will become readily apparent in a couple minutes as we hit the end of the story. So I find a buyer, okay? And he's he, he meets my, my best offer price. Uh, I, I guess he's a collector, you know? And um, we had a couple little email conversations back and forth. Seems like a really good dude. And uh, so now I got to ship this bike. And I'm guesstimating, based on what the other people were selling... Uh, it was going to be about 100 bucks, okay? So I go and I get the box that the bike is going to fix in, yada, yada, yada. Uh, kind of mapped out. It was going to be like $150 through FedEx. So I'm like, yeah, that, that's good. I, I could deal with that. I still come out ahead, you know. Well, the bike had been sitting for so long that a lot of <laughs> the nuts and bolts on it had seized. And there, there's very minimal to almost no rust on a bike. It's just... Look, these things were screwed on once and haven't been touched since then. In particular, the pedals on the bike. Because anytime you ship a bicycle, you take the pedals off and it cuts the width of the bike in half. And that's what makes it affordable to ship, right? So I got one pedal off and the other one I absolutely could not. It was like seized on there. I bathed it in WD-40. Other people are like, well, heat it up. What am I going to hit it up with? A friggin' blowtorch? <laughs> so that really wasn't a viable option. But I bought uh, a, a different set of wrenches with, with the narrower head because they said maybe, you know, that was it. That'll help. And nothing. I cannot get this friggin' thing off. So now I got this really awkward shape 
that I got to ship. And the bike itself is only 30 pounds, so that's not a, a deal breaker. And the overall dimensions aren't bad, but, you know, every inch now you start going thicker or taller, <laughs> it starts piling on the money, especially if you've got to get a custom shipping box made, which now became the case. So, rather than bore you folks with the details, let me just say, okay, it cost me to go a couple states away. It cost me $435 between the shipping costs and the materials to package it and whatnot to ship this bike out. $435. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. eBay took $120 off the top. And now also another addition to their repertoire of fees, they will charge the recipient tax on top of whatever their winning bid or, or, or price is. So again, this poor guy got hit for another $55 in tax to ship it out to its state. So I'm sitting here like buzzing, like, you know, thank God me getting the most for this thing wasn't a life or death scenario. Uh, and it's also testament to what a horrible business person I am. Because realistically, folks, these guys that wanted to drive up and that were offering cash were probably just doing that because of their vast experience with eBay and knowing how all parties involved were just going to get screwed by the people with the primary colored letters. Yeah, that's my little pet name for eBay, you sons of bitches. So if you got something big to sell or ship, do not do it on eBay. And me personally... I'm just going to have to be a Facebook Marketplace guy or just buy it new on Amazon because I am not going through that again. Uh, I think eBay's gotten a little too big for their britches. They probably switched all this shit around just to capitalize on the captive audience that was, you know, those of us home with COVID-19 stuff. And yeah, it's just, just bad business all around. They are my scumbag of the week. The good folks at eBay. So on that note, let's kick it over to another gem. And then we'll be back to kind of wrap things up.
Yes, I bet you were a little surprised by that one. That was a, that was a Johnny Jam, baby. How about a little Nine Inch Nails? I think it was 2005. Uh, the song is The Hand That Feeds. And that was just me being a little vindictive towards the uh, good folks at eBay. Well, never again, fuckers. Fool me once. That's it. You're done. And yeah, that the song's just kind of like, eh, in your face. Get out of my life. That's what's up. So it seemed appropriate. And that's probably mainly going to be about it for this episode. Now, here's some things to remember. We most certainly hope to have Michael Sean Lee back in action by the next episode. I mean, that would be fantastic. I do have another fun episode planning in the works with uh, another good friend of mine going over some uh, pop culture topics of which he's a bit of an expert. So welcome to the party, pal. We'll uh, let you know when that's going to drop. But uh, basically, the same old, same old going on at Big Boom Radio. Always putting out some new shows, showcasing some uh, some classic rock bands. Uh, we just put in uh, Iron Maiden because they, they belonged uh, in their own spot in the classic rock showcase. So, boom, that had to happen. Uh, Green Day is going to be making an appearance soon. Not one of my favorite bands, but that doesn't matter. There's no denying their impact they've had on modern music. So they're going to get in there. And uh, so on and so forth, you know. Always have some new episodes uh, of Blitzkrieg Bop, the uh, Big Boom Radio punk show. Of course, waiting on Michael Shunley to get back in action. But who knows? Maybe I'll have Miss Tula McBride fill in for an episode. Wouldn't that be serendipity? (laughs) But other than that, we still have a sponsorship of the next Blitzkrieg Pro wrestling show called The Luau, the third annual Luau coming up towards the end of June, so we'll keep you abreast of that. And as always, look for all kinds of fun little updates and nuggets on our website, bigboomradio.com. And, of course, uh, like us on Facebook, same thing, Big Boom Radio. Check us out. we got a page for the Rockabilly Rumble. we got a page, and I believe, for Riffs and Rants. So, you know, have at it. If you got an idea for a show or something you want to talk about or a point you want to make, just drop me a line at john at BigBoomRadio.com And for myself and Mr. Michael Sean Lee Still in absentia Thank you so much for joining us And we'll see you on the flip side Farewell and adieu To you fair Spanish ladies Farewell and adieu To you ladies of Spain For we've received orders For to sail back to Boston And so nevermore shall we see you again.